Welcome to Politics Welcome Done Right. Politics I'm Egberto right. Willis, your host. Before I even get started to say good morning, well, let me say good morning first. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, everybody. Let me tell you guys, I had a long day at the convention yesterday. I had a few screw-ups with my taping of the main thing, but the interviews were spectacular. Um, got a whole lot of folks that, I tell you, I, I am just excited uh, to bring that to you guys. I'm, I didn't want to bring it to the, to the air yet because I want to clean a few things up. And but you guys are going to hear from greats like Maurice Mitchell, who are, who actually is the director of the Working Part Working Families Party. You're going to hear from Alalilia uh, Mejia, who is an activist that knows about economics and more like no other. You're going to hear from. Uh, Miss Weingarten, uh, Randy Weingarten, who is the president of the 1.7 million large uh, teachers union, the, the uh, what is it called, the LTA, LFA, whatever it's called, um, ATF, that's what it's called, ATF. Uh, great folks. Today I'm supposed to be interviewing uh, uh, the, the attorney general of Minnesota, uh, you know, you know, I, I didn't write it down, but I'll tell you the name a little bit later. But before it's early in the morning, I want to give my kudos to El Senor Van Bever and Reynolds, Howard Reynolds in the studio. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, we made it here, so we're doing okay. The 10 Kansas Stringer holding up all the way to Chicago. Yes, that toddler to Chicago. <laughs> okay, Jack, what you got? Good morning, Alberto. Buenos dias, hermano mío. How are you doing this morning, sir? Got the little question of the day. Okay. The question of the day. Thought question of the day. How is this great land of ours, or how how did this great land of ours end up being used to perpetrate such harshness on the people here? And of other countries. Oh, I got the answer to that one. All right, I'm gonna defer it to Howard, man. You voted in the wrong people. Hey, I knew that was going. Although he's right. Yeah, you can almost hear the scratches across the floor here with my soapbox coming out. But I'm not gonna do that because we are not hijacking your show today, are we, Jack? No, no, Wait. we're not. If okay. I could just remind everybody and that this show belongs to Howard Reynolds, this show belongs to Jack Van Weber, this show belongs to everybody who is listening to it right now, whether you be in a car, in your home, on another planet, if you can stream it, if you can hear it on air, it is your show. So by the way, you can give me a call early today, please, folks, give me a call early today at 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713 526 Five seven three eight. Why I'm saying call and call early. Well, actually, I, I I always make sure to have a lot of material. But folks, I I love the engagement that we had. Uh, gave me a a chance to expand on some of the things that I wanted to talk about. But anyway, let me let me continue talking a little bit about this conference before I move on to the other subject. Uh, well, actually, that's a part of the program today, talking about the conference. But uh. For those who don't know, I am in Chicago at the Netroots 2023 convention right now. 
And uh, this is a convention where we get progressive bloggers, progressive writers, progressive uh, politicians, progressive uh, people who head NGOs that are progressive, that go out there and help people. And we come up with strategies on how best to do it. Uh, Bruce is out here with me, and yesterday he's, he was telling me about, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing 24-7. I, did, I think I did like 13 or 14 interviews yesterday, uh, but uh, he uh, went to several of the panels and spoke about how enlightening they were as far as how you address people, how you meet people, how you uh, put your message across, and he left many of these panels empowered. Uh, before I did this 24-7 type interview, and I used to go to a whole lot of these panels, and let me tell you, uh, there are I think what he said impressed him the most is the number of people out there wanting to get the job done, wanting to do good. And, uh, you know, when when we hear when we watch TV and the negativity that you hear on TV and the attacks that you hear from the right and progressives and and when you even look, listen to stations that purportedly are progressive or liberal and see that those that are on the left spectrum of the progressive of the uh, democratic party or those that are progressive whether democrat or otherwise republican or otherwise the pain that they have to entail from people telling you that things shouldn't work that way he saw a lot of people fighting for that a lot of people not not acquiescing to uh <laughs> to we can't do that we can't have health care for all. We can't have good child care. We can't have all these things. We don't only discuss why we can. We discuss where the monies are to do this. And we discuss other countries that do this kind of thing. It's not pie in the sky. It's just having the will of the people to do it. Because you know who always have the will to take away from you? I bet Jack could answer that question. Jack, who has the will to take away from you every single time? Well, for me, it's these 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 men and these people that are trying to build an empire and take it away from the people. You know, right. take this country, take this world away from the people. It's... It's oligarchs, plutocrats, it's all of them that want this power of this new change to neoliberalism. And, well, it's not a new, it's very old. Uh, And they want to ride it to profits and make profits above everything else. You know, uh, that that's, you know, I, I kind of switched back to you because I know it was right in line with how you started the program when you started to talk about how can this great land uh, have such hurting on the people. And, you know, the hurting on the people began from its inception. You know, we can talk the genocide, the slavery and what was happening to uh, the, let's say, the, the, uh, the, the all indentured servants that were brought over here, different levels of intensity, of course. Uh, we had the Chinese, we even had the Irish who... Uh, that at, at some time, but I mean, I don't want to mix the, the, the gradations of these pains, but I'm just saying it always seems that that's where, that's where we go. And if you take a look as well as now the people in mass, 
with the way we're working, you know, um, earlier, um, Howard and I was t- were talking about AI and I was talking to Howard about a great program that could help me in the videos that I produce. Because again, I spend 16 hours a day doing this kind of stuff. And here at the convention, I think Bruce could attest to that. It's like 24, it's like going, it's, it's a lot of work. And I was talking to uh, Howard about the, the assistance we can get from AI. And a lot of people are so scared of AI because it's going to cut jobs. It's going to do this and that. And I'm saying AI is not something we should be afraid of. AI should be something that we embrace. Uh, I mean, we embrace the car. The car is a lot faster than the horse. And we need less people to service a running car than we do a horse who has to be fed and all these kind of things, right? So technology has always been good and technology has always displaced people. In other words, people have always lost their jobs of what they did before, but for new things. But AI is a special thing. And I don't want anybody to take it for granted. AI does require us to have... Instead of being scared of it, you know, I want to back up. Let me digress a bit. One of the sticking points in the strike in L.A. uh, with the writers and now joined by the stars, right, is the AI factor. What am I talking about? AI can now write scripts, right? AI can now create programs in a, a complete sitcom. AI can also act AI can we we can actually make a movie that's done completely in AI in AI and look realistic. A lot of people are um, are scared about that, but here I'm going to turn to in a second, uh, Howard. A lot of people um, a, a lot of people are scared about that, right? But there's more to it. I want to express more about that, but I want uh, Brother Howard to chime in. Come on in, Howard. Okay, I wanted to make a point on the AI thing where people are afraid of it and they're going to afraid they're going to take jobs. Mm-hmm. AI is simply a tool. Right. It is a tool to use to make your life easier. Mm-hmm. And if you master it, then your life will be easier. Uh, a short brief story here. In the 90s, I could see where computers were starting to come in and starting to take a lot of things and making things easier. Because at the time I wanted to be a writer, so I was doing a lot of uh, word processing. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the computers are going to advance. They're going to start taking more and more things, uh, take over more and more things for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So I better get ahead of the curve here. I better start learning how to build the machines. Mm-hmm. So I do. It started yeah. off as a hobby. And I built many computers. That, in fact, the computer that we're listening to you on right now, I built that. Right. Out of parts of right. Papa eBay. Mm-hmm. So. You take the tool and you advance yourself with the tool. You don't let the tool rule you. You rule the tool. Exactly. I want to add a corollary to what you just said. And by the way, it's funny that you said uh, you started building computers. You built it because you were changing profession. I started to build computers because I couldn't afford the real real thing. (laughs) Well, there was that, too. Yeah, you remember the, the old days? How how those how expensive they were? I would go buy parts and put it together. So it was Frankenstein, you know. But mm-hmm. same here. And anyhow, um, but here's the thing that that I wanted to add to 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 what Howard said. He's absolutely right. But I also want to add that it also will take us to be engaged with our politicians because here's the thing. And I think uh, I was talking to the 
president, the, the, the national director of the Working Parties, the Working Families Party, the, the interview that I'm going to bring you. And one of the things we spoke about was that remember AI is the composite knowledge of humanity. In other words, if you wrote, if, if you are a, a regular layperson and you wrote and you answered, uh, and let's say you, 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 you blog something at Houston Chronicle, you reply to something, your knowledge base is also a part of the AI that, that's going to be used somewhere. All of the aggregate knowledge of humanity, whatever you've written down, whatever you put out there is what AI uh, pulls on. And here is my kick. It really means that we should not have the plutocrats being able to say without payment in sort of a way, we are now going to have actors that are going to be AI. We are now going to have writers that are going to be AI without some, some model that makes sure that the ultimate gain from AI is distributed to everybody because it is our composite knowledge. And composite knowledge doesn't only mean you get things right. Let me give an example. Let's say you write a very wrong and silly blog and other people, you know, comment about it or what, you know, AI would come up with, could come, come up with an answer that says, and you know, some people believe and <laughs> repeat some of the silly stuff that you have. You are also with the silly stuff you put out there, the wrong stuff, the bad stuff you put out there. You are a part of the body of knowledge of AI and you are also a contributor to AI. I guess what I'm trying to say, we have to understand our aggregate power in this in, in the creation of knowledge in this country everything all of us do whether good bad or otherwise makes a part of ai and therefore we should have laws that control that the profits made from ai without the participation of humans at the time of the deliverable at the time of whatever is created the film the the a new computer whatever ai creates you were a part of it somehow. And we have to get that within our psyche so that when we are writing laws for this thing, that, you know, the taxes that are placed on it to then build streets and educate others would be a part of it. But not only that, we start, we have to start working as, as AI makes many jobs obsolete and puts more job, I mean, puts more people out of work that we do things like, wait a minute, if our aggregate knowledge creates a lot of unemployment, maybe what we need to start looking at is a reduced work week, no longer a 40 work week because we don't need workers 40 hours a week anymore. Maybe these people would go into manufacturing now and the manufacturing week again from 40 hours a week to 20 hours a week. These are things that a capitalist structure is not designed for because the, the mantra of the capitalist structure says whatever the market will bear and what that means and not only that it's about monetizing uh, monetizing the labor of others i mean it's a complex thing so we have to create a free enterprise governed by smart regulations of how the playing field is going to occur and this does not stifle innovation and there's nothing wrong with profit we just have to ensure that 
everyone who participates in society, which in the aggregate is everyone, we have to find a model that makes sure everyone has a living wage. Those who want to work more, make more, etc. I mean, these are concepts that are not difficult when you look at it from the honest point of view. But when you look at it from the people who own capital point of view, who want to be, make a profit on your labor and make a profit on anything else without giving you anything back, it is quite easy to figure out. And I hope, I hope that as we go on, we don't fear AI. But what we do is make sure that the politicians create laws that prevent those, the, the, the filmmaker and everybody else from being able to use this tool created by all. Notice what I said, this tool created by all to somehow be a profit for the few. It's a different way of thinking because they don't teach us that way. They teach us that that person with capital is omnipotent. That person with capital pays 15 or 20% on income. If you make a, a good amount of money, you pay up to 38% on wages. 20% on capital, 38% on wages. Does that tell you you know, Biden always says something, show me your budget, I show you what you value. I flip that. Show me what you charge or what you pay, I show you what your value is. And the value set, as Jack Van Bever would attest to when he says, how can a land so great do so much harm to so many people? Here's your answer, Jack Van Bever. Here is your answer. Any comments before I move on? Okay, Aaron, Aaron, go ahead. Oh, he says no, no comments. All right, Aaron, Aaron, no comments. Um, let me, let me, let me play a clip. And I think I have my clip ready. Uh, and this has to do with rents and landlords. You know, right now, what we have is a spur of you know, we have gentrification going on in in cities. I mean, here in Chicago, in areas that at times nobody wanted to live, you know what's raised its head? Gentrification. Many of us in, in Houston understand that a lot of the wards were where they put people they didn't want in certain areas. You know what? Now, some of these wards are primo land, gentrification. We have the people who own capital coming up and buying these buildings and stuff that people have put their blood, sweat, and tears into. And they're now building new new condos and everything else for people to live in. And these people live in these great condos, pay these great prices. The land appreciates. And those who originally had that land and originally have their structures are priced out of the neighborhood. That is what gentrification is all about, right? Um, I don't mind. I, I, instead of gentrification, why not have input into these areas from our body politic into these areas that can reconfigure and rebuild with the people that are already there, where the people that are already there gain, gain, and the improvements that you're going to make in those areas. We don't do that. We get a, cap a capital owner who goes in there. He, uh, he picks up, and notice I say he because it's generally he's. He, pick, he says, ah, look at all those dilapidated buildings. We can go ahead and either fix them up and then throw folks in there at, at 
high rents, extract whatever we can from them, or we tear it all down and build great structures that look beautiful, and we get the coffee shops, and we just change the flavor of the neighborhood, and wow, people move in. Well, there's a bad component to that as well. And this this story is not exactly just about gentrification, but it's also about what these landlords do to the people in these areas and others, of course. But anyhow, without further ado, let me see if I can get that played right this minute. Hospitals, nursing homes, prisons, and now housing. New allegations today about what big finance is doing to individual tenants, or should we say not doing. NBC's Brian Chung reports from Minnesota on a group of renters pushing back against one of the largest corporate landlords in the United States. Jamari Brown moved into this home in North Minneapolis in 2020. We've had rats and roaches for three years. She showed us busted locks, where the basement leaks after it snows, and crumbling walls. That's all you gotta do. Brown says she complained, but that her landlord, Progress Residential, brushed her off, and she can't afford to move elsewhere. So what's it take for the landlord to come and fix these issues? For this house to explode and us to die? Being honest. Brown is getting help from United Renters for Justice. And we need change now. The nonprofit has been fighting to improve living conditions for some of the roughly 600 progress renters in Minnesota. Tenants have won repairs, compensation, one-year rent freezes, and, in the case of Shanika Henderson, the chance to move into a newly renovated home. These pictures of her previous progress home show the poor conditions outside and inside. It had mold in the basement, probably about this thick, about two inches thick, that set in on the walls from the windows and everything. The mother of four says she is finally at peace in her new home with progress. And it's everything that I ever imagined. I can see this me in my forever home, even though I am still a renter, but my family is safe. Progress Residential is one of the largest providers of single-family rental homes in the United States, operating with more than 85,000 homes in 22 states. Renters of Progress Homes in other states have told NBC News about similar issues to those we saw in Minneapolis, alleging that serious problems were either inadequately addressed or ignored entirely. In Minnesota, Attorney General Keith Ellison last year sued Havenbrook Homes and Progress Residential, alleging a deliberate and calculated strategy to extract ever greater profits from their tenants by severely under-maintaining their homes. We cannot let a, a, a company, a hedge fund or a private equity firm get to a point where they can move the market. His lawsuit also included Predium Partners, the private equity firm tied to Havenbrook and Progress. Owners and operators, all of them are responsible and they will be held responsible. So it's not going to be good enough to say, I, I just own the place and get the profits from it. I don't operate. No, so that's not going to work. Uh, we expect everybody to operate ethically and within the law. Predium declined to comment for this story. In a statement, Progress did not address the issues raised by the Minneapolis tenants, but told NBC News, many millions have been invested in the properties we manage in Minnesota. And in court, the company denies the allegation that tenants had to wait an inordinately long time for repairs. 
But now Henderson hopes her success inspires other progress renters. I want to put power into these families to let them know, stand up, speak out for yourself. Helping tenants like Jamari Brown find her voice. We got to keep beating the door down on them. And push for better conditions, one fix at a time. Brian Chung, NBC News, Minneapolis. And that is the started. That isn't the, the gentrification that we always talk about. But you hear what uh, Progress has 85,000 homes. And you know where they many times they buy these homes. And whenever they have tenant problems and the tenant becomes too expensive, we all know what happens to those homes. But it is, it is, it is shameful that even home ownership, that which are where we used to build our wealth. You know, I mean, um, the average American citizen isn't that stockholder. We're going to have a lot on the right that's going to hear me say the average American citizen isn't that stockholder. And they're going to say, but wait a minute, they have a retirement fund and they have this and that retirement fund is invested in the stock. Well, not really true. uh, Most people no longer have all these the 401ks and, and all of that that you get from corporate America, because remember, most people don't work in those domains. So, um, you know, it is it is difficult. It is difficult to see what's happening. As, as Jack said, how can a land so great treat many of its people so badly? Anyhow, folks, 713-526-5738. I would love to hear from you. 713-526-5738. Hit extension 2 and you'll be on right away. Do you want to uh, comment on what we discussed on AI? Do you want to comment on what we discussed on gentrification or anything else? would love to hear from you. 713-526-5738. I don't believe in just having a monologue. I believe in having a conversation nicely, civilly with everybody. 713-526-5738. I see the phones are absolutely empty. I know it's early in the morning, but hey, let's get started. 713-526-5738. And I need to find the page that I am on right now, but I like to hear your voices. And before I go to the next subject, I'll wait to get that line processed and then we'll move on from there. By the way, I forgot to tell you, the guy on that story is the the attorney general of new, the attorney general of Minnesota and formerly of uh, Congressman uh, Keith Ellison. I'm supposed to be interviewing him today. So we'll see. Um, how that works out. But anyway, Johnny is here with us. Johnny, come on in. I'm going to speak softly because you're speaking softly and making me sleepy. Oh, I'm making you sleepy. Well, you see, I, <laughs> I'm tired. That's probably why. <laughs> Maybe you didn't want to disturb your family in the hotel room. I don't know. I can um, that's part, part two. Go ahead. I see your considerate, a considerate moderate voice. Speaking of moderate voices, this morning when I woke up, I usually have NPR running in the morning. And I went to the garage to get something, and I, and I heard them do this story about the beat, what, they, what the reporter on NPR called the BFF, bipartisan. Now I'm forgetting what, what, his, what it stood for. Some kind of bipartisan group of uh, Democrats. And Republicans in the legislature on the task of, oh, uh, bipartisan fiscal something, fiscal, F I S C I L. 
in other words, the, the, the thrust of the story was that, oh, we have a lot of ALCO, but not enough income. And they referenced Social Security payments increasing for seniors. Yeah, that little pit that barely adjusts for, for inflation. And all of a sudden now there's a big crisis. But he never, NPR never, ever, ever talks about how the Republican Party is always shooting down talk about wanting to tax the ultra-wealthy. It's always, we have this Pete Peterson guy who wants to get together these legislators for the purpose of a commission with mm-hmm. floor to bridge the gap between income and outcome. It's simple. Tax the ultra-wealthy. All this talk, all this hyperbole from these people, and NPR doesn't help. You know, I, again, that is because even NPR themselves, uh, they they have to be careful with where their funding comes from, right? And folks, uh, let me just, since Johnny brought that up and brought up NPR, I want to tell you guys that we are funded by you. So don't forget to go to kpft.org at your convenience and say we want to continue to hear the truth. And that's why we support a station and the programs like this to make sure we get just that. The truth. Here's the deal, Johnny. We need we need to tax all income for Social Security. I mean, capital everything needs to be taxed for Social Security because what is it called? Social Security. It is something that helps the entire country. And that isn't something that's going to harm our economy. First of all, uh, what what it's going to do is revitalizing the economy. And let me tell you something. If you doubt me, uh, yesterday I spoke to you guys about uh, Clinton's policies versus Reagan's policies. And when you look at them, and I'm going to get a little technical here, but but uh, you can look this stuff up uh, for those who haven't taken, let's say, a macroeconomics and how our current system works. But if you take a look at the macroeconomics of what Reagan did and what Clinton did, the macroeconomic effects of what Clinton did outstripped what Reagan did. And what that was, increasing taxes. Again, you're not, it's not anything that is unfair. Increasing taxes on the, those who make the most because it then goes into the hands of those who make the least and those who make the least spend. When they spend, they go ahead and create more economic activity. And even those who are wealthy, the amount of money they paid in taxes, some of it is recoverable from the increased economic activity. But the thing about it is there it should be no feeling of pain for those who are, are concerned for those who are taxed more. Because again, they have taken much more out of society. Remember, every penny a rich person makes on stocks, every penny a rich person makes on excessive profits or monies that they didn't pay you. They didn't pay the farmer. They didn't pay all these others. Please remember, this is not about taxing the rich as if they are innocent in this whole economic game. They're not. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad people, but what I'm saying is the economic system as a rigged system allowed their gains on your backs. And if anyone who can do that, that's what they do. And the only way to mitigate that, the only way to correct that in our current system is through taxes, Johnny. I will add one thing to that. Yes. Uh, on an, and a dovetail note about voting, I always hear our friend, the uh, 
No, not Jack. The other guy, mm-hmm. Howard. Howard's always getting talks about voting. I can't dispute that. No. Except to remind Howard and everybody else that people do vote. We see over and over again how the people's wisdom collectively is towards progress. Right. Example, Florida. The yes. voters of Florida, they voted not once but twice, three, three separate occasions for progressive things like restoring uh, the right to vote for people who have served time in prison. But what did the Republicans who run that state do? They countered that. And I think unlawfully, I would argue. It is unlawful what they did. That's just one example of dozens and dozens of examples, not just in Florida, but across the country, where people, the people collectively, when we vote, uh, when we have a referendum, we do the right thing, but those in power, the on the right, cancel it unlawfully. Okay, Jenny, but let me let me let me let me throw that back at you because I'm still with with Howard. I'm still there 100 percent, and let me tell you what I mean by that, because. Uh, yeah, the people vote on the referendum, but we have to make them aware that it's not only voting on the referendum, it's voting on the people who will effect the referendum, which means if you vote on a let, let's take a look at the abortion case. If you vote that you want to support abortion for X number of months, etc., and your politicians continue to vote against that and you vote for that politician, you're not really voting, are you? You're really just being a, 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 a stooge for that politician. So, um, what we have to do is vote and vote our interests. It's not just voting. It is voting our interests and those who will implement our interests. Johnny, one quick thing before I jump to tag and then Elon. May I retort? Yes, sir. Okay. Again, people do vote. People showed up for six, seven, eight hours in line to vote. And what happens? People like Brian Kemp in Georgia, he unlawfully, illegally used his office to erase, cancel. Yes. Voting registrations. He could be in prison, and he's yes. not the only uh, case. He's not isolated. There's lots of Republicans who do this. They okay, use Johnny, their office. Johnny, you're right. Johnny, you're so Johnny. Telling, chastising people, chastising people. Oh, you must vote, or you must vote for the right people. People do vote for the right people, but a lot of times their votes are canceled. So, what's the solution here? We have to prosecute people like Brian Kemp. How about we do that? How about we start putting people in jail who are who work in Wall Street who steal uh, people's retirement funds? How about Johnny, we make an exclusive with Romney? Give me, give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break here. Look, I'm not disputing anything that you said, but likewise, I'm saying Kemp got reelected. What we have to do is educate people in such a manner that he would not get reelected. But I got to jump to tag uh, Johnny. Thank you. As usual, you're always enlightening. And you. And, and by the way, if I must say this, and don't take this to the bank because I may have to deny it at some time, but you're always right. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, let's go to tag. Come on in, tag. Hey, Egberto, how are you doing? I am doing fine, sir. Talk to me. You know, I was listening to your little bit of uh, talk about AI this morning and and the um, the writers and the actors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think of the idea that I, in our society a lot, we we aren't lining up to embrace change. And and change is coming regardless. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, those who do embrace change will end up ahead in the long run. And that's why we don't have the chip manufacturers here. When they started manufacturing chips, 
they took it someplace where these people, they, yeah, this is what we're doing and, and um, we're making chips here. And there wasn't any controversy about what they were going to do. They just did it, you know? Mm. And, and now all of a sudden, Oh, they're bringing the chips back here. We're going to have to embrace these changes. And, and I think with the, the screen actors and stuff, they're going to have to embrace AI, you know, it's coming they need to make the best of it. And I, I think that there are too many people dragging their feet on technological changes. And that's, that's why we have problems in this country. We, we want to keep it the way it is all the time. And it just doesn't work that way. We have to keep advancing. Tag, what do you think? Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you, I don't know that we're saying anything that's different. I, I think that's what I said is I I embrace AI and I want all of us to embrace AI. But the caution is, and this is where I stand with the actors and the and the uh, writers, is that a lot of them are going to be gone, right? And you are absolutely right that we have to embrace change, and that's what happens, right? But we also have to have the regulations and laws to govern those changes. Why? Because again, it's not like AI was invented by one person. AI is where composite knowledge. And as such, those those uh, actors that get laid off, there should be some way that we, and there are ways that we can actually compensate uh, for that because the, the, the savings for AI, the increased productivity, shouldn't just go to the owners of capital. It should go to all of us. That's all I'm saying, um, uh, Tag. But I, I, I don't see how that is significant. And I don't see how it's different at all from what you're saying, which is you get with the program and, and embrace AI. Don't go ahead and try to fight it. Just make sure that the regulation, the part that I'm adding to what you're saying is make sure the regulations are there to protect all of us. A- absolutely. And and here's the, here's the way I understand the AI is is that you can have one of these actors go in and, and do a half hour, an hour in front of a green screen, mm-hmm. and then they can, they can capture that. And the next thing you know, they're making you know uh, feature length movies with, with that image. And yes. and I think there has to be some way to to compensate those people for their half hour in front of the green screen. You know, you're, you're and, and that's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Tag. And again, I don't have a problem with AI, and you don't. And what we need to do is tell folks, be proactive instead of being scared. And to some extent, I, from what I hear from some of the actors, some of what they want into law are proactive things. But again, just saying you can't use AI to do this, I don't think it's the way to go because what will happen is uh, they'll take it to Vietnam or some other place and they will use AI. <laughs> and they will use the image illicitly of those people here in the United States who they want to use. So. Here you go, Tag. I'm with you. Anyway, thank you for calling in, my yeah, brother. Go ahead. There's definitely too many bad actors, too many, too many uh, people who uh, use these things for for bad purposes, and I think that's what you're getting at. And I I think that we have to try to try to have some rules and regulations to avoid that. You know, um, I'm with but you. I I think I think the old adage of the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes. Yeah. You know, we have to figure that in because uh, the the fact is, even though things are changing, uh, there's always going to be some continuity back to tag, the I'm way. With you, but I, tag, I'm with you, but I want to jump to Elaine because, you know, I, I'm with you and I think you made your point and I appreciate it as usual, your calls, my brother. Thanks, Alberto. Have a good day. You too. Let's go ahead and bring Elan into this conversation. Come on in, Elan. 
Alan, Alan, Purim, Hey, Alan, Alan, how you doing, my friend? Uh, okay. Um, uh, recovering from COVID, even though I had my shots last year, there's a new strain going around. People oh, are kind of premature, taking their masks off and everything. But uh, I wanted to say there's a technical problem going on. Uh, your tin cans and strings over the radio. Uh, you, you sound okay. The caller in can be heard. You can be heard. It's about a 30 second delay from reality. But when the person calls in and they need to turn the radio down so there's no feedback, the, uh, other people calling in cannot be heard. It's like five or 10% volume on, on their voice. Uh, you know, we can't hear what they're saying to you on the telephone as opposed to hearing it on the radio, which is okay. Now, getting to my point, um, for several years I've been making the joke that the acronym GOP stands for Greedy Oligarchical Plutocrats. <laughs> I love it. I, Any, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, of course, the uh, major parties are colluding to try to keep third parties off the ballot. And uh, uh, it's possible that Cornell West may be uh, uh, chosen. Uh, our Green Party national meeting comes up on August the 3rd. So uh, that's pretty much uh, all I have to say, but I did want to share that with you. Thank you very much for the information. I, I saw Cornell on the station a, a couple, a, a few hours ago, actually. And, um, you know, l let me tell you m my, my thought process right now. And I want someone to tell me, and this, inc this includes you, Brother Lon, uh, how... Anything, I think anything any other party comes up with, show me how it's going to work to benefit the people in the, in the, uh, in the next four years, other, you know, or so I want third parties, I'm not disputing that, but I don't want to have a third party vote that's going to harm the people I know will get harm and let me let me elaborate on that because there, there there's there's a certain there's a certain amount of privilege in 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 some folks who are pushing third party issue and I, I, and I tell you something that I've seen also with the and and trust me I'm not talking against the green party at all but many of the ills that I've seen in the progressive base right here at netroots where I'm at uh, with people with Many blinders on. We have some groups here you're going to hear from. Uh, Mondale uh, Robinson, a, a great activist here in, uh, in, I think he's in the Northeast, uh, talk about the blindness of many progressives on the things that they execute or want to do, that it may feel good and if it doesn't go right, they're still fine. But remember, there are people who feel pain. I can't elaborate on that right now, Ilan, but I just want that thought process for the folks that are listening right now. 
I think whenever we are doing things third party or picking certain folks for for elections or whatever, I think we have to look at how it's going to affect the least of the people that could get affected by that decision. That's all I really want to say on that. Your comment, and then I need to jump to Steve. What we really need to do is uh, push nationally for uh, the um, uh, rank, rank choice. Rank voting, yes. And guess what? I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm supposed yeah. to be interviewing the leader of rank choice voting today. Right. So uh, before anything else, uh, we've got to get rid of the excuse of voting for the lesser of two evils or that sort of I got you. Uh, you know, I so, understand uh, your point, Elon. I really do. Do do mention those things to the people there. Will and do. Chicago, well, Houston's about to overtake Chicago in population, so we'll soon be the third largest city. It's funny. I was telling the the Uber driver that yesterday. <laughs> I mean, on, on two days ago. Thank you very much for calling in, Elon. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah. All right, let's go to Steve. Come on in, Steve. Hey, Exaltation. Egberto. Good morning. Thanks for being in Chicago. Yeah, how are you doing, sir? Good. I think um, you stirred up some thought process a couple dozen minutes ago uh, when you were talking about uh, what AI can do for us if if we allow it and if we let it work. Um, Because right now, the average worker, which includes me, is working 60 to 80 hours a week, but we're mm-hmm. trying to bring in about $1,500 to, to pay all our expenses, right? That's a lot of a lot of time. And most homes, you know, they have two workers or more trying to bring in money to, you know, just to make ends meet or possibly, you know, gather up some extra to, to get some real estate and, and get ahead for the future, for future generations. But what if we can use AI and what if we can figure out ways to where, you know, we're working 40 hours a week and we can live a little bit better, maybe put a little bit more back into charity and maybe even increase our income to 2000 at that 40 hours a week. That was, that was my thought. And maybe AI can help us. You nailed it, sir. You nailed it. That's the idea. If we, if, if our composite knowledge can make us work less, all of us should get, take advantage of those spoils. All of us, created this thing you know i I, the the, the homeless person that once paid taxes is a is a person who has value that was a part of this uh this ai thing and uh, the the problem is we like to we we rank things wrongly i mean i speak to the 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 president of the teachers union the amount of work teachers do for society yet a stockbroker makes more than a teacher their value to society is vastly different but the way we pay societies is wrong uh based on the, the the value to the society AI, uh, we can actually use AI to right a whole lot of wrongs. First of all, at the same time that we're taking care of writing rules for AI, we take care of writing rules for what jobs are done and what jobs are paid. So I am with you, Steve, 100%. I wish a few people would call we... disagree. <laughs> right. Yeah. How do we keep Jack's uh, uh, you know, big billionaires uh, away from monopolizing on that and keeping us... In the trenches, I guess, would be a tough, tougher question. But yeah, thanks. 
That is what we got to do, brother. That is what we got to do. We have to pack, we have to elect people as as Howard would say that will do just that. And I'm starting to run low on time, Steve. So if you have anything else, quick before I go to Roberto, uh, just enjoy and, and keep keep uh, uh, popping our brain cells up a little bit more. Thanks, Egberto. Thank you, brother. You have a great day. Let's go to Roberto. Come on in, Roberto. Good morning, Egberto. In a long time, I, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can't complain. Um, I, I, I don't know how much proof of this there is, but I saw a link with a lady. I can't get her name. Uh, she was sobbing like she was reading off all these articles and numbers and stuff. And uh, the point was that she was making is that the United States is not a, a government, nor a country, but a corporation. And that um, the right to vote is just an illusion. And that our social security numbers are linked basically to some kind of market and that the IRS is privately owned. And uh, I don't know how much of this is true, but I was wondering how much have you heard anything like this that you can elaborate and enlighten me? No, no problem. No problem. Let me, let me just say this. Okay, a lot of what you've just read are conspiracies. The IRS is not privately held. The but she's right about the government. You, you know what? It's the thing with conspiracies, um, uh, Roberto. Um, you you have enough truth in it to make it plausible, right? But look, uh, if, if, if we could we we could hold that story as tightly if the IRS was uh, you know was some private corporate. Now let me tell you what what is true. A lot of the work the IRS does, a lot of it is formed out to private corporations. A lot of government work right now that we have services that's provided are. You you hear the term government contractor, right? Government contractors are people who do work on behalf of the government. And there are millions and millions of them, which means there are millions of millions of people scamming the system. Why our bills, why our our outlays are so high. That said, um, Uh yeah, that said, it is true that uh, corporate that, that uh, we are becoming a corporate state, which means the following. You remember when Johnny said that um, that the people uh, vote the right values, but when the politicians get it, they don't execute what the people want. That is what well, we have to mitigate. And the reason that happens is that most of the monies that these that these people raise generally come from these corporate lobbyists. And if they come from these corporate lo- corporate lobbyists, they follow what the corporations want. What we have to do is pass laws to prevent that. And what we have to do is be more self-funded. Let me give an example here real quick. And this is going to sound self-serving, but we discussed this at length. A lot of us independent media guys out at Netroots right here in Chicago. We we have no problems going to Disney World and spending a whole ton of money, going to the coffee shops every day and spending uh, buying overpriced coffee. Hell, I do it too, right? We we do all those things, and we don't we don't feel like we're being penalized or taxed for it. But when we have a, you came here with a question, right? You said Egberto, is this true? And I said, well, partially true because. And by the way, I know this stuff because that's what I spend my life doing. That's my job now. That's what I do, right? Yeah. 
So I, I try to be informed on all these issues that a lot of people don't have the time to be informed on. And we look at a, a KPFT that is community run and that sort of a thing. And we have a hard time asking folks, hey, give us a coffee or two a month, right? So that we can continue giving you the truth and telling you how things really are so that Everybody don't have to independently go ahead and do that. We are the real fourth estate, right? We are. So what we have to do, my brother, is we have to take the masses, we the masses, we have to take responsibility for our well-being. Otherwise, the corporations will do what they do best, and that is take responsibility for themselves. The definition of a corporation is uh, the, 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 the executive's uh, sole responsibility or fiduciary responsibility is to the shareholder, not to you. And guess what? You are not for most companies, shareholders. So, and the last thing before I drop this is the Supreme Court is the non-democratic, after the Supreme Court has been placed, it's the only non-democratic portion of our system. And the reason the Republicans have placed so much interest in it is that any positive law that we pass for the masses, they can overturn. And if we decide to listen to the Supreme Court and allow them to overturn it, then in as much as what the, the, the way the woman explained it in the article is incorrect, the outcome is just about the same. And that's why conspiracy theories sometimes make sense, because the outcomes sometimes tend to be the same. <laughs> Anything else, Roberto, before I move on? All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you like moving this here because uh, the way she was reading, she was sobbing. And so I'm like, wow, you know, it, it really uh, resonated and, and, and got my attention. And right. uh, I just got this morning and then I heard you talking, I heard the subject and, and the topics of discussion. So I said, let me call him on this. I'm sure he was, you know, uh, yes. With the smoke. I, mean, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, brother. You have a great day now. All right, let's go to Johnny. Come on in, Johnny. To finish our conversation, uh, corporate interests that create tremendous pressure because they have the advantage of resources, money, and time because yes. they take everybody else's time away and then don't pay them properly to compensate them properly. The most people are not politically involved, and that's right. a design. So yes. when you have technologies coming about, whether it's nuclear uh, uh, power, and now we have nuclear waste that we can't solve because why? Capitalistic interest rushes forward with little or no planning as to consequence. Mm -hmm. And likewise, with this new AI that we're hearing about all the time, artificial intelligence, don't think that this is like the discovery of fire. You can heat your home or burn it down. No. If AI goes whack, uh, goes out of control, Guess what? Lots of people can be killed in a, in a moment when the military has it. The military has AI in its crutches, not you and me or yourself. So that is a problem for me. Uh, be very wary of new technology, especially AI. It's not just a tool. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a matter of us telling, of deciding that we will not let the tool override us. That is very simplistic. Because human nature is shows us otherwise. History is rich. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you. Um, let me just tell you as a as a programmer, some software developer, uh, which AI is use software to control databases, etc. 
um, there can be uh, consequences that we don't expect. You're correct on that. But let me do tell you that uh, there is no there. We, we can put regulations in to prevent that. Let me, let me give an example. A, a, a nuclear power plant has something called feedback controls to make sure it doesn't do certain things. And if those feedback controls go awry, we get three mile island. So technically speaking, AI have been in existence a long time, just in a crude form. So what I'm trying to say is. For every technology we have to have, and I think you probably alluded to that, we have to have controls. And those and, and AI is no different than that. The feedback control in a nuclear reactor that if it goes awry, we get really bad consequences. And, and how do you do controls? What, you allow the military to develop this technology? No. no Otherwise, regulations. Fukushima, another Chernobyl, and another Three Mile Island. Johnny, what is the... Johnny, you're oh. correct, and I got to let you go. I, I, I'm at a hard break right now, so thank you as usual for your I smart commentaries. Know. All right, buddy. Bye bye. Uh, okay, folks, we are out of time right now. Uh, as usual, let's go ahead and hear a small commentary from Howard. Fifteen seconds, Jack Ben Weber. Okay, here's Jack. <laughs> okay, uh, you know. Artificial intelligence would be great for exploring space. Al, open the pod bay bay door, please. Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, Jack. Anyway, folks, I want to thank. Oh, go ahead, Howard. Oh, I was going to say, Johnny is correct. Johnny is right on because Mm -hmm. what's going to happen if we put in regulations on these AI companies? Somewhere along the way, they're going to start whining that they can't sell their product because they're overly regulated. And then the politician will be bought and they'll be unregulated. Then we'll have a mess. And we so we have to yeah, very close, very carefully with this thing. It yeah. can get out of hand, as we well know, as computers get out of hand. That's I deal I'm with saying. them every day. Yes. So Johnny is right. So we have to be careful with this stuff. All right. Folks, Auto- let's go ahead. Okay. Real quick. Real quick. Artificial intelligence is automated intelligence. All right. I hear you, brother. Let's go ahead and close this baby up because Howard's going to kick me off. Look, folks, thank you, Howard. Thank you, Jack. My name, And thank you, all the great callers. Johnny, thank you for your insight. Roberto, everybody else. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.